Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wael Hatter. With me is Hin Mizaina. Today we're interviewing Lina Matta, who is the curator of Anna Contemporary Arab Cinema, which is a uh, an Arab film festival in the greater New York. Uh, Lina, can you give us a little bit of uh, the regular questions of how did it start, what, why for our audience, and and where and and all I know is it started in 2012, so and it's on every September. So hello and welcome. Thank you, thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> um, let's see. So I was living in New York around when September 11 happened. Actually, I'm going to go back because I grew up in Lebanon and then I went to the states to do my master's program. And I started running into students, and the war had been on in Lebanon for the last 11 years. We were on the cover of uh, newspapers almost every damn day. And every time they'd ask me where I was from, I'd say, I'm from, I'm from Lebanon. And they'd be like, where, what? And I had to sit and just explain, Lebanon, Middle East, blank stairs, Israel, next to Israel. And that's kind of like when some lights came up in their eyes. But really, an ignorance that was pretty amazing. And for somebody who grew up in Lebanon thinking that the States was this amazing place, to go there and get a cultural shock of a feeling of they have no idea who the hell we are was a bit like, okay, so that's, you know, we're talking 80s here. And then uh, come uh, September 11, um, and we went from no knowledge whatsoever to, you know, you are the terrorists and why do they hate us? Um, and um, so that, that's the kind of the state that I was in when I thought about uh, Anna. In the meantime, I came, I, I also was somebody who grew up uh, with, uh, with parents who were not necessarily promoting Arab culture in any kind of way. We grew up, we, we listened to Fairuz, we went and saw the Rahbani uh, musicals, but that's truly about it. We didn't read Arab literature, we didn't watch Arabic television, we didn't go and see Arabic films. So as far as I was concerned, these were of such poor quality, and the only people who saw them were the maids. So, you know, um, we had like a really rich uh, Egyptian uh, history in cinema that kind of flew over my parents' head. Um, so I came to Dubai to uh, work in uh, 2004 to set up, um, to work with them at uh, Dubai Television. And uh, soon after that, the Arab Film Festival started popping up in the region, Dubai, T uh, Dubai Film Festival, Abu Dhabi Film Festival, Doha. And you were seeing some really amazing films coming out by Arab filmmakers. Uh, who were telling the story from a very different perspective. It was not the Americans telling your story or the Brits telling your story or the French telling your story. It was Arabs telling your story. Um, so with, with all that, with that background in mind, I, and, and I felt that a lot of these films were not crossing. They were not crossing the region. They were saying, they were preaching to the converted. We were all, you know, we all, we all knew our stories more or less, but, and we were watching them and appreciating that their, our point of view was being heard, but it was only being heard by us, and I wanted it to be heard by people who did not know who we are. Um, so I happened to be living in Westchester at the time. That was like, I'm going back and forth in time, but I was living in Westchester for the longest time, and then I moved to Dubai. And while I was in Westchester, I used to go to this, the Jacob Burns Film Center, and they had, it was this amazing art house that had opened and uh, a few years back, and instead of being forced to go into the city to see the films in the city, they were bringing the films to you. Um, and they had a lot of film series. They had a Romanian film series, they had a, a Jewish film series, they had a music on film series, and blah, blah, blah. And while I was there, I used to go to their Jewish film series. And I thought, well, if they're interested in doing a Jewish film series, which kind of makes sense because that's a lot of the community up there, maybe they'd be interested in an Arab film series which show the other perspective. So I went and I spoke to the uh, programmer there, and they were very excited about the idea. Apparently they had been looking to do something like that for the longest time. They didn't know how they would go about doing this. They, didn't, they needed somebody with um, 
uh, a knowledge of the of the of the market. So I was like a perfect fit for them. So we tested it out with one film with uh, in 2011, 12 Angry Lebanese, the Bazena Dakash. Um, we sh showed it for like two or three screenings. It filled up the theaters. They loved the idea. They loved how I presented the film, and they decided to test it out. So 2012 was the first year that we did uh, Anna. Um, and the reason that I called it Anna is because it was the voice of, you know, it was our voice. We were telling our stories instead of, you know, we were, we were co-opting co basically our story, and, and um, which was the issue that I'd always had, that it was strangers with their own backgrounds and their own understanding telling a story of a country that they don't know anything about. And just to so. translate Anna for non-Arabs, it's me or I. Like, so, yeah, it's about kind of the self, right? Uh, so, no, it's really commendable effort. And I've been aware of this festival, like, for the past few years, I guess, since it started. And I've been really fascinated that you, and I believe it's just you kind of, you know, working towards putting this festival together all year. And, uh, and that's why, you know, we really want to sit with you and talk about it. Because this is something that you work on all year, so you're obviously attending festival, well, now it's just one festival because Abu Dhabi cancelled. But is, is this kind of your only source, the Dubai Film Festival, to, where you get to see Arab films? Or do you also access these films through, I don't know, screeners? Like, do you know the filmmakers who send you films now that they know you curate this film festival? So, do, you know, how much of these... Um, how many films do you get to see to decide in the end? How many to include in the festival? All right, so it's, a, it's not a festival, it's a series. And I think that's uh, beca because it's not about, no, I think the importance being that first that I don't have any awards, which is something that is probably problematic for a lot of filmmakers because that's why I end up something, sometimes having to wait for the festival circuit to work itself out. Uh, so it's a series of, of hand-picked films. And... Uh, and it's really it's it's a personal liking. Like these, are, I like that film. I think that film has a message. I want that film. It's not it's not that many. I mean, it's not a committee that's deciding on. Uh, uh, but um, so yes, it is mainly me working on the film. But it comes with a you know like everything else is a team behind it. The Jacob Burns has an infrastructure. So once I've done the initial co contact with the filmmakers and I've, we've decided on uh, the dates and the the screenings and the fee and whatever, the rest is taken up by the Burns. Um, and then I have uh, a friend who does uh, the website and all the social media around it and stuff like that. So honestly, it's, I mean, I, in terms of seeing the films, it is me. So yes, I used to rely on all the film festivals, whether it was Doha, Abu Dhabi or, uh, or Dubai. Um, now uh, there's Qumra, uh, which I try to attend because you get a lot of the pitches. So Ajal, again, a few films pop up because a lot of films that are funded by the DFI end up uh, premiering at uh, Ajal. So The, for instance, premiered at Ajal. Very big shot. I, I saw at Ajiad. So, so if there's anything in the newspaper that there's a new film that came out, I'm in touch with the guys at uh, Image Nation. If uh, they have any new films that are coming, they send me their links. Sometimes the Burn has a film that comes their way that uh, they are not necessarily interested in uh, uh, doing a, a week-long screening of. They'll say this might work into the uh, film series. So it's not filmmakers per se. I'm I'm after the filmmakers. You know, nobody comes to me and says, "Here's my film. You know, take a look at it." Very f and those who do, it's like not really the films that you want because really I am looking at what I feel is the best of the best that came out that year and the year prior. So. It's amazing that you have the freedom to choose what films uh, you want to screen at this series. And so what is the criteria? So the best and what is the best for you? So what, what, what are the key kind of, do, do you have a little kind of checklist of does it hit these three points or what is it? I'm interested in knowing why you chose certain films. So um, 
I think the biggest criteria is that it gets me through the 15, first 15 minutes without feeling like, oh my God, <laughs> how much longer is this? <laughs> so, <laughs> it should be like a sludge. <laughs> if I have to, if I resisting the urge to fast forward, that's already a good thing. <laughs> but I mean, all joking aside, um, I'm putting, t- usually it's 12 films that I put together. I, I have to say that n- for the most part, I don't look at shorts because there's so many shorts that are coming out and there's so much to look through that it's very difficult to, you know, I don't have the time or the manpower to go and look through all the shorts. So as, an e- as a way to sort of ease my load, I've said no shorts. Um, so I look at, at documentaries and feature films, feature length, anything like 50 minutes and above. Uh, since it's a full week and every film shows once, you also want kind of a bouquet. You don't want everything to be hitting on the same topic and the same theme. So you want to have, you know, you want to try to have them from different countries. You want to have them from different perspectives. You want to have them different top- uh, uh, covering do- different topics. And you want uh, some levity. And that is one of the main issues of our uh, of films by these filmmakers is that you, very few of them have levity. And it gets really, uh, you know, exhausting if, if, because you have uh, people who come in. Sometimes they take the week off to come and spend the time watching all these films, and it's like <laughs> at the end of the week, you're like somebody. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, it's a big. It's it's, it's got to get. It's, for me, story is very important. Um, a lot of the films used to be very social issue oriented or very, uh, you know, big problem in the Middle East oriented. Uh, now we're, we're moving into genres, which is an interesting uh, trend in filmmaking. Yani Zinzana was purely a genre film, very big shot, had uh, some, uh, um, had a political undertone, whatever, but it was very much a genre film. Uh, things like uh, even films that have, uh, uh, that, that, that are dealing with a political or a social topic have now. Uh, started becoming um, filmically more interesting. For instance, Clash and Degradé are films that all take place in one setting. Um, Ghost Hunting is a film that recreates uh, a traumatic experience that the filmmaker and all his uh, colleagues had had gone through. So just the fact that uh, uh, we stopped being uh, like your uh, movie of the week kind of uh, film and started becoming much more... It's like our, our, uh, our directors have found their footing and they have a vision and they have a style and they become much more secure about putting that style out there. When you get these films, do you have to pay? Is it affordable? Do you have a a budget? How does the technicality of it work? Do you have to get it pre-screened, approval? Uh, Is there some logistics to that aspect? Um, The series, okay, I don't get paid (laughs) and uh, the Burns doesn't charge me. But what they do is they have a certain amount of money put on the side towards these films. So I'm, every time I get in touch with a filmmaker, I negotiate as hard as I can to get the prices down. And as much as I am with the filmmakers, and I'm all about you know, filmmakers getting paid for their hard work, because I've been a filmmaker myself, and I know how painful it is when you're getting these checks for $200 or $400, and you've just spent half a million. You know? So we're nowhere near uh, covering your expenses. But this is truly, at this point, a passion project. In the last two years, we finally found, you know, we've had uh, um, a sponsor at the Burns for the last two years, but I mean, a sponsor, yani $10,000 kind of sponsor, so we're not talking. And then this year, we had an additional person who's coming, and I asked that the money specifically go, go towards trying to fly in filmmakers. Because as much as we, um, what, I've, what I've been doing is filmmakers happen to be in the States around the same time. 
I will fly them in. If, uh, but a lot of them, we do the Skype interview thing, which is a great thing because at least it's better than nothing. But a lot of these filmmakers are having to wake up at three or four in the morning. Sometimes the audio doesn't work. Sometimes they, you know, uh, they sleep through the, you know. So it's, <laughs> I want to be able to, <laughs> to I, I mean, I admire the passion and I admire the commitment of them saying, yes, I'll do it. And a lot of people have had amazing interviews at 4 a.m. And I don't know how their brain works at 4 a.m. But it's, you know, they've been able to, um, but yeah, so the budget is, is the Burns has a certain amount of money that they put towards the, the cost of theatrical and we screened once. So, um, and the prices have gone up over the years. I remember when I first started doing this, it was like 250 to $400 per, for the screening fee. And now I think the going rate is about $1,800 and you have to sort of negotiate it down as much as you possibly can. Um, so yes, the budget is, is uh, it's a passion project on my part and on their part, but, uh, from their end, they've had, I think they have like uh, 30 or 40 series that they do throughout the year. This one has in the last six years quickly become their number two series. Uh, so, and the people who come to it are like a very avid bunch, you know, they're getting in touch with me, uh, <laughs> months ahead because it used to be in May and then it's moved to September. So they sometimes try plan their trips around it. They take time off to come and see. Uh, because a lot of what we do also is um, we've turned it into a very social event because a lot of these films require, you know, you want to come out of these films and you want to be able to talk about them. Um, so uh, since it's in a tiny little village and for the most part the, the highlight of uh, the, the, the village's social calendar is that film, uh, film series that week, um, you can tell people to like, let's hang out and have a drink after, or let's get together for a bite after. So in between films, we're always like grabbing a drink or having a cup of coffee and talking about the films. Um, same after the movie, there's always an ex almost an expectation of we're all going to go out and have dinner together. So the group can be anything between three people and 40 people. So it depending, depends on who I can. So it's, so it's, it's a social slash, you know, cultural slash political slash, uh, uh, and they're friends at this point, people who've met through the, through the series, which is a lovely thing. So for me, it is as important for uh, Arabs to see these films as, as it is for Americans. And so a lot of my frustration has come from not being able to reach out enough to Arab-American communities. And I try, and we've gone through, you know, um, there's a Lebanese uh, church in uh, uh, Jersey, so some people have found out about it, and they bring in the, the church community from Jersey. Uh, and then a couple of uh, <laughs> there's a couple of uh, Muslim uh, communities in Westchester that also have found out about it, and now, and now they're trickling in, um, but really not enough. And I've, I've reached out to all the embassies, the Egyptian embassy last year. I got in touch with them. I'm like, there's four Egyptian films here, you know. I would love to invite the ambassador. I would love to invite your people. You know, please put something in your uh, newsletter that says I've reached out to you know the uh, AUB alumni, the uh, BUC alumni, the Lebanese embassy, the Egyptian embassy. That's one of the issues of me living in Dubai and doing a festival series in, in New York. Uh, maybe you know, I'm, maybe it would. I'm hoping that I keep calling this at my retirement plan that one day I'll go back to the states and then I will have to I will do the footwork that is necessary to be able to grow this way beyond the borders that it is at now. But for now, it is you know it is what it is. It's this annual thing that takes place at uh, in Westchester in this one theater with an avid audience that grows, but within that one theater. So I know. I mean, I think as a region, we don't push our culture even to our within. The region, right? So within our own people, I don't. There's whether it's yeah, thinking it's not good enough. Oh, these films aren't good enough compared to films from the West. I, I suspect even if yeah, you were staying there full time in the states, I think you'd still 
find this lack of response. I don't know, because we feel it here as well. And like you said, as as important as it is to share our stories to the outside world, non, uh, we need to do more of this within our own region. And, and that's why I get frustrated. Like, we only see these films once a year at Dubai Film Festival. I mean, I've been to other festivals in other cities in Europe. There's not a big representation of Arab cinema. And, and over the past few years, if there has been, it's always about the war, right? So it's the Syrian war. And if it's not one war, it's another war. And, and then that just becomes kind of the usual story. And so a Western audience missing out on these other stories. And it's really frustrating because you're like, there's a really rich cu culture of storytelling and cinema that isn't out there and I'm and I think yours is this amazing story that even though it's in a small community but it's reaching out yes it would be great to reach out to a wider audience but yeah I don't know what is it about this region because yeah roles uh, like in embassies there as a cultural engagement in these different countries they're in what are these embassies doing to represent the country apart from doing obviously the you know the political work or whatever day-to-day -day offices and it's it I find that really frustrating and I do feel it's a regional thing I mean one good comparison like the Korean embassy here in Abu Dhabi they seem to be really engaging here and they put on you know film screenings and it feels like okay these are people who are proud of their film heritage and they want to share that and it's like I just cannot think of any examples from an Arab world that does that anywhere else and I don't know what do we need to do to change this you know I mean, to be fair to some people who are making huge efforts, I, I think Metropolis in, in Lebanon has been a huge proponent of uh, indie film and, uh, and Lebanese film um, and Arab films, but mainly indie and, uh, and Lebanese. Um, here, the, the, I think Vox Cinemas made a commitment to show an Arab film uh, from, from DIFF at least for a full week, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I think people who come in and, and have a choice between wash, watching... Um, some Marvel uh, or DC Comics film versus an Arab film that they might not have heard that much about that may for the most part be a depressing film when you're going out for entertainment it's a tough choice and I think I'm, I, I used to fault uh, Diff for um, for not having uh, 365 uh, year, you know like they come in and for 10 days we see these amazing films from around the world and then they disappear off the face of the earth so even though they have now uh, wised up to that and they're making an effort to have a uh, weekly. But to be fair, uh, when when I go to other Arab countries and then you see their mass movies, so like you get you get a lot of kind of lower end DE grade Egyptian comedies, and then it's even worse are the new contemporary Lebanese pop things, which are terribly acted, terribly lit, terrible because horrible TV movies kind of made for cinema. So a lot of people coming in have that taste either going to be oh our life is terrible we're all going to die or some even uh, if something can be sh more shallow than shallow and the thinnest little thing ever so it's uh, that's what you, you have the, either the artistic tour who wants to change the world through film or someone just wants to make enough fluff so i don't know how much you can blame the audiences for this rather than uh, then what you said actually is the development of the genre so you're getting a little bit more and more interesting things so when Hind and I last year saw Very Big Shot it was a rather rather full uh, screening and, and that went well and our other friends we made our other foreign friends even come in and see it so that's something else and I think slowly it will happen as the films themselves develop for, for instance when I wrote to the Egyptian embassy I was thinking the three films that I was pitching to them were not exactly pro-regime. <laughs> so that might be one of the... <laughs> so again, you know, you might not be getting... Like the Korean, uh, Korean cinema or the Korean pop culture, 
it's an it's a government initiative to really push their pop culture out there and make it a hugely popular thing, kind of like American pop culture. But our films, especially the indie films, and it's working amazing. Our, especially our indie films tend to be against, uh, you know, they're 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 fighting for a cause, and it's not necessarily the cause that's in power. So that could be one of the issues. And, and like everything, I think not every you know not every French film is good, not every British film is good, not every American film. Same as not every Arab film is good. So some of them are really fluff and ridiculous, and some of them are freaking amazing. We can't. You know, there's no expectation. You know, just because it's an Arab film, you have to go and see it. Or just because it's a Lebanese yeah. film, like every Lebanese, if they're good, you'll go see them. If they're bad, you're not going to see them. And I think, uh, especially in Lebanon, any those films that are good, like uh, Mahbaz played in the theater for I think I don't know 12, 15 weeks. Uh, the insult has been played for a very, very long time. Um, so a very big shot played for a very big. So ones that are worth it, people are coming to see them. But I'm, I'm talking more in, uh, in Dubai, where you have that film festival that is hugely popular and has only been growing in popularity from one year to the next, to completely have disappeared, Yanni, before they did 365, and now, I think also thanks to Cinema Eid that we're going to be getting a lot of uh, uh, indie film and Arab film uh, that we never used to have access to. So people are not used to seeing films that make you think. They're used to seeing films that where you can go and veg out and not think. Um, so it's it's a whole it's a whole education process, not just Arab, just Indian in general or foreign in general. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a challenge anywhere, so it's not a unique thing to hear. But I think what I just find ironic is that within our own country, it it is hard to watch Arab like Arab films that aren't the kind of sloppy, badly made uh, films, you know, uh, that we you know refer to as TV movies or whatever. And and it's a shame. And 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 I think maybe TV actually might do a better job. Where I'm actually watching Arab classic films on um, TV, you know, Cinema One, Cinema Two, um, and and it's such a weird shift because. I can't recall seeing, you know, no one's um, making any efforts to even screen Arab for a classic film, the Egyptian cinema, and, you know, everything I think now is in the Rotana, you know, they own it, and it's just what's distributed for television, and so it's weird, but yeah, now people go, oh, we don't even have a television at home, you know, no one watches TV, and so this is like, wait, what does that mean, and, and so I don't know what is this history of... Uh, or what will be the future of uh, accessing these films? Because we definitely not in cinemas and TV. Definitely, I you know I watch when I once I know there's some good classic films that I've never seen and or my mom's always watching these channels and and so I'm like oh okay this movie's on I'm gonna sit and watch it and it's it's a weird um, I know I find it frustrating because again and maybe this is you know not everyone loves cinemas maybe we do but we want to share it and that's the whole point yeah, with cinema see. right you see something great and you want everyone to see it yeah yeah, yeah. no I completely agree with that and I think. I, tell you, I put on my other hat for two seconds, and as somebody who works with NBC, I get a lot of backlash about why aren't why isn't NBC showing these movies? Uh, and the few times I've made efforts on on different levels for different channels, but the few times that I've managed to convince my bosses that it's really worth going after it, we've gone to get theatrical rights for these films, and they're hugely expensive. They're charging us through the roof, and when it comes down to sad to say but when it, it's a choice between me having to choose a Harry Potter or a Twilight or a Lord of the Rings that I know will uh, will get me the ratings or I, I go for a Thieb which I think is a beautiful beautiful film and they're trying to charge me the same cost that they're charging me for. I can't I can't justify that cost so I and I've said it many many times like 
at this point, it's more about getting your films out. You know, I know you want to recuperate your money, and I think that's very important. But I think it's much more important for you to get your films in front of the eyeball, eyeballs of the hundred million people that watch uh, NBC. So bring down your cost. You know, t uh, let us help you. You know, help you help yourself, kind of thing. That said. Um, I think Esport Services is where it's going to go because Shahid Plus, for instance, is doing is bringing in a lot of indie uh, indie Arab films. Um, so I think this is going to be the uh, I, I see flicks have uh, actually uh, gotten in touch with filmmakers from Morocco and Egypt and given them uh, I think a hundred thousand dollars and to ask them to go and create original content for IC Flix. So there is an effort that's being made. I think SVOD is going to be where all of us watch the films that we would like to watch because uh, the movie theaters are not. Uh, <laughs> This depresses me because yeah the whole you know Netflix model and I think that's being picked up and you know we're disrupting the system and I hate that. It's like no you know I'm gonna still fight for cinema and uh, yeah I don't know if the last few of us are still standing on that hill uh, we'll be, be there like vinyl records it's gonna come back I think going to the theater is gonna come back in the same way that vinyl records are coming back I agree because it's like guys you know so you ruin you know the whole disruption and then like you said we've seen this happen with so many things so yeah we'll just sit back still keep going to the cinema maybe it'll come back as more of a you know how bookstores were reinvented when they had cafes <laughs> so maybe <laughs> cinemas has becoming more of a cultural experience you know you don't just go into the 4D thing that's going on everyone wants to go for that experience so at least they're going No, but what they end up showing on the 4D things are not the kind of films that you want. You want to see the small movies. You want to see. I want to see. What's it called? Hedy before sunrise. You get real tears. You get before sunrise. You get tears now. It drops. It's like your own tear made for you on 4D as you watch something. What I'm really worried about is that I mean, at least we used to sit at home and watch DVDs with the family. We're going to get into this VR thing where everybody's putting on their little mask and disappearing into their own world. It's already bad enough that you go to dinners and. People have their phones out and nobody's having a conversation with everybody else. But if we start putting on these uh, masks and hiding behind them, and imagine this world that we're being sucked into. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I know they've been making an appearance even at the Dubai Film Festival and yeah, the virtual reality. And I'm totally not for that at all. And uh, yeah, hope hope that just does not go anywhere <laughs> beyond. I think, it's, I, mean, I think it's there to stay, and I oh. think it might have value. <laughs> I'm actually pro uh, to kind of technology and these things coming in. You can do a lot of stuff with VR that you can do with normal cinema, the whole experiential thing, but you can even watch it as a group. You can even interact with it. The way things are developing, it's, it, you, can, you cannot limit it to sitting in the dark and looking through a screen. It's, 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 I think it's beyond there, and it's going to snowball into something bigger and, and, and crazier that we can't even imagine. Well, I know, call me old-fashioned, I still want to sit in the dark and watch a movie, and I'm going to hold on to that for as long as I live. Old-fashioned is fine, as long as, you know, we have old-fashioned and we have contemporary, and you can make something interesting. No, but I, to I totally agree. I mean, I used to, have, I used to like, categorize films into films that I'd watch on, <laughs> on an airline, films that I would <laughs> rent as a DVD, or films that I would watch at the movie theaters. And it's, there are some films, it's very difficult to, you're sitting at home at the end of the day to say, I'm going to sit and watch, you know, Revenant, for instance, it's not. You got to go to the theater and watch Revenant. Revenant is, you know, like you got to commit to it. It's not because if you're sitting at home and watching it, you're going to fall asleep in front of the TV like 16 times. So there are films that are truly the cinema experience should not be taken away. I don't know how they're going to have to reinvent it, but they really have to do something where they bring us back and where we can all. And that's why I love. But I'm telling you, what I really, really love about Anna is that thing of, you know, finish whether the filmmaker is there or we bring in an expert to talk about a topic. The fact that everybody's willing to go out after the film and talk about the film for two hours is great. 
Going back to Anna, like, so I assume obviously you introduced the films and there were Q&As and uh, I want to know like what's kind of a memorable experience from, you know, one, what film created an interesting reaction? Any kind of, any anecdotes or stories? Um, there are a couple of films. Uh, there was um, I Am Nujum, Ten and Divorce. Uh, so we showed that one and then the filmmaker did a Skype Q&A with us and apparently the filmmaker herself had been a child bride so we, I had just give us a brief description of the film for people who don't know what this film is basically it's about this uh, young girl who gets married off at the age of 10 and uh, to a 40 year old man and gets taken uh, um, to live in the mountains and obviously she's never had sex and she, you know so there's um, it's a Yemeni film um, so basically she runs away from this guy and she uh, goes to the courthouse, finds herself a lawyer, and asks him to represent her in a divorce from her husband. Um, so, the, so these two women came up to me after, and they're like, you know, we're, we're teachers, we're librarians, we want to not just give money, what can we do? Like, can we get in touch? Are there any, uh, are, uh, um, are there any um, groups uh, that are, you know, on the ground, that are doing any teaching? We would like to be able to go and teach these women. And so, like, they really wanted to do some hands-on help just after seeing the film. They wanted to take the film and put it in the New York Public Library because they felt that the, so that the school system would uh, have a chance to see these kinds of movies and be uh, educated about this problem and the problem of child brides. There was another film, the documentary, um, again, A World Not Ours is about the Ain al-Hilwi camp. So this the filmmaker uh, grew up in Ain al-Hilwi camp and then he left and went to live in Europe and uh, would come and spend every summer in Ain al-Hilwi where he'd hang out with his, um, his best friends who never left the camp. So it's about these people who are basically stuck in time and, you know, life is not, there's, there's no hope and no future in the camp. And he has a perspective of uh, traveling, you know, coming back and... and uh, having lived a whole life and then coming back and finding them basically with time having moved like molasses. Uh, Ain al camp is a Palestinian refugee camp in Lebanon, correct? So she came back to, up to me and she said, you know, I have connections. I know people. How can I get this guy out? I want to be able to help. You know, can you put me in touch with a filmmaker so I can try to help get these people out of the camp? And oh, So there's a... There's a, there's a uh, and the feeling is like, let me... I want to do something more than send a check. Um, so that's the kind of uh, feedback that you get. You, you know, when we showed the insult, I get a, uh, got a few um, uh, people from the Jewish community who came up to me and he said, they said, we didn't realize that Palestinians were treated so badly, which I thought was such an interesting perspective. It's like, you know, <laughs> that they were, you know, that... <laughs> wow, the irony. <laughs> okay. So it might not have been the moral of the story of the filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, I think he had a very different message that he was trying to put across. But for you know, for people to see it from that perspective, um, because you know, these films work on so many levels. They work for the the uh, the person from that country who is seeing the film. They work for other Arabs who are seeing the film from their region, and then they work for somebody who is completely disconnected. Uh, um, and that's the, the richness of the films. Are, are the audiences understanding kind of what Arab is? Do you get kind of random questions about other cultures that they assume are Arab? What's going on there? Have, the, have, that, have you seen any change? I think this is a very curious and educated bunch. These are not... Um, these are... Uh, they're urbane. Uh, they're they're well-traveled. They're well-read. Um, they might have their own perspective on things, but they're not somebody who, who, who are coming to these films out of an ignorance. And if there is an ignorance, it's an ignorance that's uh, spurred by uh, um, 
by curiosity and not an ignorance spurred by aggression. So uh, th there are a lot of questions that are asked, uh, and, and that's why uh, when the topics are uh, tough, for instance, we did a film about, uh, we showed a film about honor killing, uh, which was not something that I was going to try to be an expert on and answer any questions. So I'll bring in somebody who can talk about that. The, the there, there's not judgment in the questions as much as there is a, I want to know more. Which is, and that was one of the things that I was uh, a bit worried about when I did the uh, film series over there, that I'm going to get aggressed. And uh, I've not really, really had much of that. The, the one person, actually very interestingly, this time after the White Helmets, uh, after uh, The Last Man in Aleppo, somebody came to me and questioned me about the, the White Helmets and if they were Islamists and whatever. I'm like, <laughs> you saw the film, like I saw the film. These are people <laughs> who are risking their lives to save other people's lives. So... I don't know where you're coming from, or what, but, but that's really probably the only time that I heard had somebody who asked me something that they were trying to like push me into a corner to say something. Well, at least in comparison to what you said earlier, where they didn't know where Lebanon was, now they kind of have an idea of the Arabic countries, and I guess hopefully with with them that would trickle down to to the to their communities and yeah. their other people, and then kind of have have that information grow and develop. Um, they're bringing their kids. I mean, a lot of that's another thing that uh, there's a frustration in that I I, I have a sister who has a kid who's now 13 but for the last six years she's been wanting to bring him to the films and she's always like is there a kid's film that I can bring him to <laughs> and there aren't <laughs> there are very few kids films that are um, so you know now he's at a point where he can understand like he saw Mahbaz he saw El Clasico enjoyed them both um, but uh, yeah so they're bringing the younger generation and uh, the, the, the so it's like parents will come and see these films and then they say you know come <laughs> I think you'll like this so the fact that we're reaching a, a younger generation who's also getting to be involved in the conversation. I mean, there's a young guy who works at the Burns. Every year, for the last three years, he's taking that whole week off to come and see every film. And then he like criticizes them all and gives me his feedback on which one did he like. And he'll rank them. And this is a guy from, like, you know, Pleasantville. You know, really Pleasantville. <laughs> who loves to go to Disneyland. But yet he, he's seen, you know, like 60 Arab films in the last few years, which is... <laughs> so as someone who's doing this more or less by themselves, is there anything that anybody can support uh, the, the film series, can, can help you out? Uh, what is there that there are the rest of us can do to, to support? Um, you know, I think the frustration that I've had in the last few years, which is a double-edged frustration, because it's a frustration that comes from films really succeeding and therefore becoming more difficult for me to get. So... When I've, uh, there are a couple of, like, Ready, I had to wait a year to get. Hedi, I had to wait a year to get. Uh, Baraka, last year, even though it had been out for a year, I still couldn't get it because the guy had done a sale for net to Netflix and he wasn't willing to, because uh, um, Netflix had asked for exclusivity. I'm like, I'm showing it in a village at the most 200 people are going to see your film. It's not going to affect your. So there's a frustration that I have from um, distributors who are becoming very precious about holding on to these films that, you know, once they once it's not gotten into TIFF and uh, Sundance and, you know, because when I, when I uh, scheduled in September, most of uh, the big festivals have come and gone already. So if you've not premiered there, don't hold it, you know, for like 12 months to 18 months to give it to me if I'm just going to show it once somewhere. Like, I, I want to, I think that's a bit my frustration because I'm, what I'm doing there is, is good for you. Yeah. I mean, you don't need me, you know, you're getting the recognition that you need from every other festival and every other distributor. But this is just a little piece of the pie that we're trying to add to. 
So don't make it difficult for people who are out there trying to do their best to, to help the, the film industry. Yeah, I could never understand that. I mean, we all want to, the whole point of distributors is to distribute their films, but these layers and the hierarchy and, you know, where it's shown first suddenly becomes important. It's such a disservice, I think, to the film and the filmmaker. And especially if, like you said, where yours is a screening, which isn't going to make or break a reputation of a film. Yeah. We that we'll do secret screenings and we won't talk about it. And, you know, honestly, I understand the filmmaker and I understand the festival, uh, you know, like you have a... a uh, what do they call it? The festival strategy. So I totally understand the festival strategy, and I don't want to spoil your premieres. You know, I want you to be able to premiere at these huge festivals that are going to get you what you need for the film to have legs. Um, but it, when it when it is a film that's a small film and it's done its route, okay, you know, it's it's. I don't know what, why you're holding on for dear life to something that like what were you expecting? And I love Ghadi, and I think it's a charming little film, but it had been out there for a year. What are you still waiting for? Or Tramontaine? Or the, it's done everything that it's going to do, you know? Just And I'm, yeah. So that's that's my frustration with the... Uh, um, so before we end it up, 2018 uh, is going to happen in September again, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's going to happen in September towards the end, like around 2027. We haven't pinned down the dates yet. It's, it's always a bit of a... <laughs> Uh, a jigsaw puzzle trying to put down their schedule with my schedule. So, But the tentative date is uh, September 20 to 27. And is there any film that you can hint at that they're going to be able to see? Can you leak something? something. Uh, so for next year, one of the films that I'm really excited about is Wajib. It's by Anne-Marie Jassir, who uh, is uh, originally a New York uh, filmmaker. Um, and and what's lovely about the film is that it's acted by a father and, and son uh, uh, duo. Um, and it's about this old tradition where if you're inviting somebody to their wedding, you actually physically go from door to door to hand out the, the wedding invites. And by doing that, you get the stories of all the villagers. So it's a lovely little story. Um, so that one I'm excited about for next year. Oh, that's brilliant. And uh, we're looking forward to, to, to hearing more about uh, this uh, screening slash festival series uh, in the future and, and as it grows. And for everyone, anyone who's listening, you can find more information on AnnaArabCinema.com, Anna, A-N-A, ArabCinema.com. And the same thing for social media. They're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you very much, Lena, for uh, coming on here and explaining to us the festival. And hopefully whenever one of us in the States, we can, we can catch it in September. Thank you for the opportunity. It was great. Uh, yes. <laughs> I just want to say, Lena, you're a cinema hero. So good luck. And uh, yeah, we'll be pushing this. And I'll tell my friends who live in New York to make their way to Pleasantville to check out your uh, next uh, series. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, inshallah, I see you both there next year. And as always, you can uh, listen to Tea with Culture and download. And please uh, rate and give us any information on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you very much. And goodbye.